This is the Mark Podcast from Lifeway Women. We're your hosts, Elizabeth Heineman and Kelly King. Each episode, we'll talk about what God is doing, how He has and is marking each of us. Sometimes that will be through interviews, and sometimes we'll have conversations around the table. We're so glad you've joined us today. Welcome to the Mark Podcast. I'm Elizabeth Heidman. And I'm Kelly King. Last summer, we were able to provide the full teaching sessions for Jen Wilkins, the Sermon on the Mount Bible Study, right here on the Mark Podcast. We heard from so many of you that you loved that content and you wanted to hear more like it. So for the next eight weeks, we are going to do Kelly Mentor's All Things New Bible Study together. We'll release the audio of one teaching session per week right here on the Mark Podcast. All Things New is one of several Bible studies Kelly Minter has published with LifeWay, and she has graciously granted us permission to play the audio here. Please note that this is copyrighted material, so we ask that you not reproduce it. Now before we dive in, know that the teachings in these sessions expand on the work that you'll do in the Bible study book. So for the full impact of the study, you'll want to get the Bible study workbook. You can purchase the book at LifeWay.com slash AllThingsNew. We have a sample session there if you want to use it while you wait for your book to come in the mail. These audio teaching sessions will be available for a limited time due to copyright restrictions. We will leave the audio up until April 30th. We hope that gives you time to get the book and study along with us. Over eight sessions, Kelly Minter is going to lead us through the letter of 2 Corinthians, exploring the anchoring truths of bearing treasures in jars of clay, meeting Christ through a pressing thorn, opening wide your heart in the midst of hurtful relationships, and what it means to embrace the lost and lonely as ministers of the new covenant. Each of us has a message to proclaim and live by. Because of Jesus, the old has gone and the new has come. Now, here's Kelly Minter. All right, you guys, you are halfway through the book of 2 Corinthians, which is awesome because here's the thing, I really feel like if you can get through this halfway point, then you can make it all the way, right? Because it's, it's kind of easy to start something. You know, you get all your new stuff and you get all excited and you go to the group, but then the inevitable happens. You know, you miss, you miss a, a, a session or you get behind on your homework or, you know, and then you, there's that tendency to, ah, I don't know, I've got too much going on. But I just want to say, don't worry about any of that stuff. Just keep going because some of the best content in the entire letter is in the middle of 2 Corinthians. Now, if you were struggling to get started, I would tell you that the best content is at the beginning of 2 Corinthians. And if you're having a hard time ending, I would tell you the best content's at the end, but that's because the best content is everywhere in this book. I'm telling you, you really don't want to miss any piece of it. And I know that last week uh, you had the opportunity to cover chapters 5 and 6, and you got a good look at heaven, uh, just a little bit of a glimpse into it, and the new body we studied. Uh, So interesting. In fact, today, someone knocked on my door, and I opened it up, and he said, I just want to introduce myself, but I grew up in your house, and my mom bought your house in 1965. And, and so I said, well, come on in and come and see it. There's been a lot of changes, done a few different things. And he came in and he was so nice. And he said, oh, yeah, the living room used to be here. And then the kitchen was over here. And, 
And he goes, man, he said, my mom is up in heaven, and I bet she's just looking down, just tripping at what's going on in that house now. <laughs> and uh, I said, you know what? If your mom's in heaven, she probably doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, she's in heaven. She's got a new home and a new body. And so I hope that you were encouraged by that because it's so refreshing for us to get our sight sometimes just off of the temporal. You know, Paul tells us to, to fixate not on what is seen and temporary, but what is unseen because the unseen is more real than anything that we could possibly imagine. And so my prayer is that you were encouraged these last few weeks. Okay, so what I want to do is I want to focus on a particular part of chapter 6. Would you turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to look at verses 14 all the way through the very first verse of chapter 7. So just a few verses today for our study. Now, as you're turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, just a tiny bit of background. Remember, we talked last week about the ministry of the new covenant and all of those beautiful characteristics that go along with the ministry of the new covenant. Now, chapter six and seven is still part of that whole dialogue because, you know, at the top of Corinthians, Paul's kind of given this defense for why he didn't get there. And then all of a sudden he just kind of shoots off and he takes this like several chapter break that in some ways doesn't make sense. But when you realize that he's talking about what Christian ministry looks like, and, and the gospel and all of this beautiful theology, all of a sudden it begins to make sense. So this is somewhat connected to last week's study in that we're still in that section of his defense of the new ministry. Because that is true, because we are new creatures in Christ, because we are under this new covenant, he tells us not to be yoked with this world with unbelievers. And so we're going to look at this context today. And this is so important. In fact, I would say that this particular passage in scripture in some ways is a life message for me. So I'm really passionate about it. So let's look at chapter six, starting with verse 14. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Satan? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Therefore, Come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Okay, Paul says, don't be yoked with an unbeliever. Don't be mismatched. Don't team up, okay, in a sense. Now, if any of you all grew up in the church like me, you heard about what it meant to be unequally yoked, right? I, I, anybody? You guys with me on that? Okay. Now, now, if you didn't, you're just looking at the term yoke and you're just thinking, 
is this a new way to do eggs or what's happening here? I don't know. But, <laughs> but, but if you grew up in the church, you didn't really know what yoked me meant either. You just knew this. You weren't allowed to date a non-Christian. Okay, that's, that was what this entire text was about. Like, just, uh, I just hear the word yoke. I hear the word egg, and I think I better not date a non-Christian, okay? <laughs> that's how intense it was for this. Okay, yeah, that might be part of it. That might be part of under the umbrella, but it means a lot more than that, and it's a lot wider and a whole lot deeper, and I think you're going to be blessed by what we see here. What Paul is talking about are very, very close, consequential relationships, partnerships, um, any kind of thing that, that would bear a real significant consequence. So that's partly what he means. He doesn't exactly spell out what all those relationships are. And I think part of that is there's some, we have some freedom in the spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. But there are going to be some very black and white clear things that he will map out for us. But first of all, that whole idea of a yoke is, you know, you, you would put a yoke back in that day over oxen. So if you want to double the work, you, you'd have one animal here, one animal here, and you, you'd put this yoke over one neck and yoke over the other neck, and they would work in tandem. So you can see how powerful and awesome that is if you're equally yoked and if both animals are heading in the same direction. That's really great. But what happens if I'm this ox and I... I want to go here. And the ox next to me, he doesn't want to go there. He wants to go this way. Well, no problem unless we're yoked. And if we're yoked, then we have a big problem, right? Because we're connected and we're going to be striving with one another and how, who's going to get where. And either I'm going to get dragged where I don't want to go or I'm going to have to fight and tug and pull someone along with me. And so that's this whole concept of having this yoking. Let's talk about what this does not mean. Uh, I love that we have 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 and 10 to fall back on. You don't have to turn there. But what Paul says in 1 Corinthians is he says, listen, I'm not telling you to, to leave the sexually immoral or the idolaters or the swindlers or the greedy or whatever. I'm not telling you to separate yourself from those people in a sense or to stop relating to those people because if you did that, you'd have to leave this world. That's what he says. What he's talking about here is are these, these relationships that have us so tied that it compromises what God wants to do in our lives. And, and so it doesn't mean that we don't have friendships with unbelievers. What it does mean is that our values will be markedly different from the cultures. We will live so differently we will value the things of Jesus Christ and not the things of the world. Our lifestyles will look different. We will be ruled by integrity and holiness and purity and kindness and goodness and compassion. That's what it does mean. Here's kind of what I boiled it down to here. We don't want to be tied in such a way where another person's direction in life holds power over God's calling in our life. Okay, we don't want to be tied to another person in such a way where their direction in life holds power over God's calling in our life. That's where I think the danger is in being unequally yoked. So I want you to think very honestly. Are you in a relationship where you are yoked 
and the person that you've yoked or tied yourself to has a totally different direction in life than God's calling on your life. And I'm going to implore you, I'm going to encourage you that if you can to untie that yoke. Now, if you're married, that doesn't apply to that, okay? Because once you're married, Paul talks later in a different book altogether about how we can be witnesses to our spouses and how sometimes even the Lord will use um, someone who's married to bring the unbeliever to Christ. So that, th this is not your, oh, sweet, I can get out of that marriage. Okay, that's not that, this. But I want you to really be thinking about where you might be unequally yoked because the calling of God on our lives is at stake. Now, here was, here's what was life-changing for me when I was studying this passage. If you were anything like me, this type of a passage was always brought up in a very negative context. Do not be unequally yoked, you know? Do, and, I, and it was even worse for me because it was the King James. So it was like, thou shalt not touch the unclean thing, wherefore come out from among thou's evilness. And, you know, I just wanted to enjoy life. And I would get all into this text and I'd think about all the things I couldn't do. And I would just sit there with my Bible and I'd be like, this just doesn't seem like it's going to be fun at all. Like this whole Christian life thing just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't, I want to have a little bit of fun, just something. So it's so negative. But I realized this is not a negative at all because Paul dips back into the Old Testament and he gives us three promises that God has given to us. And we're going to look at those three promises. And so when we get that there are these promises involved, that there's life involved, that the presence of Jesus is involved, that there's an adventure and a goodness to living purely all of a sudden, all the do not, thou shalt, don't touch, don't, what, all that stuff begins to make sense. And we start with the positive, okay? So I, this is the, the last verse that we read, but I, I kind of want you to start with this in mind, but verse one of chapter seven says, since we have these promises, dear friends, you notice he doesn't say dear wicked people. He says, dear friends, since we have these promises, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Do you see, it starts with, since we have these promises, okay? So let's look at some of these promises, because we want this to be positive. In verse 16, Paul says, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, part of that verse should be in quotes, because he's quoting the Lord there back in Leviticus chapter 26. Okay, so what I want you to do is I actually want us to turn to Leviticus chapter 26 so we can see what this first promise is. And really, as you're turning there, I'll tell you the first promise is that God will dwell with us. 
This is a huge promise of God's presence. He says, I will dwell with you. I will dwell with you. Here is where it came from originally. Leviticus chapter 26, verses 11 through 13. As you're turning there, let me just give you a little bit of context. The Israelites have just come out of Egypt. Do you guys remember Egypt? Anybody studied Egypt? If you haven't studied Egypt, it is the land of slavery, the land of bondage. It was awful. It was a horrible time. They were under the oppression of Pharaoh, and the Lord had brought them out of Egypt. And this is what he says to them, beginning in verse 11. I will put my dwelling place among you, and I will not abhor you. I will walk among you and be your God, and you will be my people. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Okay, the promise that Paul shares with us in 2 Corinthians is the promise of God dwelling with his people. Now, this was huge back in the Old Testament that God would actually come and he would live among the Israelites. But we read over in 2 Corinthians that we are now the temple of the living God. Now, still, I kind of think, okay, I'm the temple. I want the Lord to dwell with me. But, you know, I... I still kind of want to have fun and I want to do all the things that I want to do. And can't I still be just like a little bit unequally yoked? And I mean, just maybe a tiny bit here, just a part of a yoke or something. And, 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 he, and he goes back and he explains, we get the context. He says, the Lord says, I'm going to make a dwelling place among you because I have delivered you. You don't want to be yoked back to Egypt, do you? That's the place of bondage. That's the place of, of oppression. And... He, it actually says that he broke the bars of our yoke. Did you, did you catch that? The, the word yoke is there all the way back there. And so how does it think that Paul had that in mind? So if God went to all the trouble to break the, the bondage of the yoke to deliver us and to save us from the world, why in the world would we want to re-yoke ourselves to all of that? Because he has freed us. You know, I love that he says... I have delivered you. I have broken the yoke. I have freed you. I have delivered you out of Egypt. I am the Lord, not just the Lord God, but he says here in Leviticus, I'm the Lord, your God. How much more now in 2 Corinthians when the God's dwelling place is not just in a temple, him walking among us, but it actually has taken up residence in our heart. We know from 1 Corinthians several times where he says that we are the temple of the living God. The Holy Spirit lives in us, inside of our bodies. We are not our own. We've been bought with a price. The, the yoke has been broken. Why in the world would we ever want to fiddle around with yoking ourselves again? Well, I know why. Because we do just what the Israelites do, and we think, you know, Egypt wasn't so bad. No, Egypt was not great. No. The God who wants to dwell with you is the same God who set you free. Let's never, ever, ever forget the cost of our freedom, what Jesus Christ did for us to break that yoke from the world. We don't want to toy with that. 
Okay, let's look at the second promise. And that is sort of in the middle of 17. He says, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. The second promise here is that the Lord will receive us. And it's a very welcoming um, idea, that word receive, just to welcome us in. Um, it's very familial. And, and, and here's the thing, the way that you read it where he says, touch no unclean thing and I will receive you, it almost sounds like he, he's only, like it's conditional. He's only going to receive you if you don't touch the unclean thing. Now listen, these promises, I will dwell with you, I will receive you. These promises are uh, what, what uh, scholars would say are the indicative. It is what is true. It is what is true. And as a result of that truth, we then have an imperative. Because the Lord dwells, then we want to come out and be separate. Because um, the Lord is going to receive us, we don't want to touch the unclean thing. So I want you to see this second text where he is pulling, where he says, touch no unclean thing and I'll receive you. This is Isaiah 52, 11. Isaiah chapter 52, 11. As you're turning to Isaiah 52, 11, this is now the Israelites coming out of bondage from Babylon because the Israelites have gotten kind of used to going in and out of bondage, which is kind of <laughs> how we do it too. So we know that Nebuchadnezzar was the king of Babylon and he attacked Jerusalem. He ransacked the temple, took all of the vessels out of the temple and took those back to Babylon. When the Israelites reestablished themselves in Babylon, all those vessels came with them. Well, a number of years later, King Cyrus, who's the king of Persia, he conquers Babylon and he, by the grace of God, allows the Israelites to return to Jerusalem. Now, look at this. Isaiah 52, 11. This is them about to get out of there. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing, come out from it and be pure, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. So I looked back at that text, and it's exactly what Paul said, but he didn't mention the part, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. And that phrase just came off the page because I suddenly remembered what that was, that all those years later, when the Israelites were getting ready to come out of Babylon back to Jerusalem, they got to take those vessels from the temple. I mean, can you imagine? Like, I am a, I am a crazy person for heirlooms. So I'm just trying, I mean, like, I go crazy. Like, we, I go back to my mom's house. I'm like, okay, so yeah, so that painting from grandma's that came from Paris, like, so how are you going to hang on to that. <laughs> I love an heirloom. I cannot imagine how my head would have exploded if someone had given me one of the heirlooms from the temple, one of the sacred vessels to carry back to its rightful place. Normally it would be the Levites and the priests that would carry those vessels. But in this particular context, there are scholars that believe that it was all the people of the Lord that carried these things back. Suddenly, Paul's reference 
to do not touch the unclean thing, suddenly, all of a sudden, that makes so much sense. Because how in the world would we ever want to touch the unclean thing when we're holding the vessels of the Lord? I mean, can you imagine? Can you imagine that someone comes to you and says, okay, you get to carry this, this piece from the temple. And then, you know, and I know, I know this one here, so you wouldn't do this, but you're walking, you've got this amazing thing, and then all of a sudden you see, oh, an idol from Babylon. I'd like to take that. Or that really dark thing that gives me pleasure when I'm sad. Or, um, you know, while I'm carrying this really special thing, I also, um, man, I just, I'm struggling with this addiction, and I, I, I know the Lord set me free from it, but I, I just kind of want to grab some of that stuff, too. And, and then we just start grabbing all these things. Can you imagine? No, because in Isaiah 52, 11, he says, Touch not the unclean thing, you who carry the vessels of the Lord. We cannot bear both the sacred and the sacrilegious at the same time, can we? We can only carry so much, and you can't carry both the sacred and the sacrilegious at the same time. But here's what I love. The God who freed you has given you something very sacred to carry in this life. The God who freed you has given you something very sacred in this life. Don't even think about touching the unclean thing or being unequally yoked because you have this treasure that he's given to you specifically for you to carry, for me to carry. You know, some of us are still trying to grab on to those other things. I have this very specific image in my head about a time in my life where the Lord was pulling me out to be separate. And it was really, really painful. I lost some dear friendships, and it was just a very painful time in life. And I remember the Lord, the only way I can explain it is that I was like on the fourth floor of a burning house. Not literally, this is my metaphor. Um, I was on the fourth floor of a burning house, and the Lord took great pains to come in and go up every single floor and put me over his shoulder and start taking me out all those flights to get me out of that house. And I was literally grabbing onto everything that was on fire, every burning thing I could get my hand on. I wanted to get my hand on it because I was still trying to hang on to the old stuff. And praise God, he got me out. And I know that he's gotten you out. I know that he's done that for you. Please, let's not go back into the house and get the old stuff. If there's any old stuff, because you have something sacred to carry. The third promise is found in verse 18 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I'll be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. Uh, very briefly, Paul is probably pulling from 2 Samuel 7.14. You don't have to turn there. But this is where God promises David that he will be a father to his son, Solomon. 
And it's really God fulfilling his covenant with Israel. It's very familial. But what Paul adds here, and you guys, I mean, you guys have to love this along with me. He doesn't just say, I will be a father to you and you will be my sons. But he says, you will be my sons. And then Paul writes, and daughters. Really cool. This is probably some new covenant stuff. I don't know, this is above my pay grade here. But, uh, but all I know is that I see daughters, and daughters is in there, and this is really cool. This is so dear. This is so welcoming. That's the third promise, that he will be a father to us, and we will be his daughters, welcomed at the table. I want to close with a brief uh, story. We saw in this text, we kind of glossed over it, but I don't know if you noticed, but Paul, and we, we studied this in, our, in the actual written homework, but Paul, he's got righteousness and wickedness, light, darkness, Christ, Satan, believer, unbeliever, temple of God, idols. And then he says, what do these things have in common? What do they have in fellowship? What agreement is there? What portion do they share? And he's just asking this. I mean, it's kind of blatant. The answer is not, nothing. Well, one of the words has to do with, with truly a share or a part or a portion. And I was working this through in my mind as I was about to teach this to my uh, home church uh, girls. And I was just, I was just mm, trying to figure this text out. And so I decided I would take a walk to the farmer's market um, because that's what I do when I've got to work stuff out. Okay, so I had ordered some meat from this guy and I go to the farmer's market, and while I'm there, I, I, I know, oh, you know what, actually, these, the kale, the, I mean, it was just, it was amazing, it looks so great, I just, I'll get some kale, that's light, I can walk home with that, and then, and then, um, you know, I got a few sweet potatoes, maybe a green pepper, I don't know, a couple, just not anything heavy, and then I go to the guy that I had pre-ordered my meat from, and, and he's like, yeah, you know, we're doing a sale, you know, three pounds of ground beef, it's grass-fed, and I'm like, okay, sure, I'll, I'll take an extra three pounds of the meat, no big deal. So he gives me everything, and I'm like, sweet, pay for it. And then I take one step to turn around, and all of a sudden I realize this is the heaviest stuff like ever. <laughs> but the problem is, and it's all frozen, meat, you know, and vegetables. But the problem is, is that there's like hundreds of people milling around, and, and I don't have my cell phone on me, and so I, I, I can do nothing but just like, eh, it's no problem, I'm just going to go home with my stuff. And uh, so I get a, kind of around the corner, and then I... Whew, it's heavy stuff. Okay, wow. And um, and I like I feel like I'm pretty in shape. And and, the, and guys, I was sitting in people's front yards. Okay? <laughs> and I had bags of frozen meat and kale. And people were like driving by. I'm like, hey, yeah, I just just got some ground beef. It's grass fed. It's just right here. Yeah. Just <laughs> and uh, so I keep get another like 50 yards. Sit down. It's melting. It's another car. <laughs> I get home, I open up my freezer, and I start unloading the stuff, and I get to this bag, and I'm like, wait, this isn't mine. Wait, 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 what? I'm like, I'm seeing some of my stuff, but I'm not seeing all my stuff, and, and then I realized I have 10 pounds of somebody else's hot dogs. <laughs> 10 pounds of somebody else's frozen hot dog. Not, not a filet mignon, 
No, not, not something like that you'd actually want. And it even has somebody else's name on it. And of course my friends are like, how did you not know that you had an extra 10 pounds of meat? But that's just me. So I take it back, whatever, go back to the guy. Hey, sorry, this is somebody else's organic hot dogs, 10 pounds of it. Go home and all of a sudden, boom. The portion, the share. When we unequally yoke ourselves, we get someone else's portion. Suddenly, we get somebody else's share. And it's a share of this world. It's not a share we want. It's frozen hot dogs, people. It's not, it's not good. And you're saddled and weighed down with this stuff. All right close with this. You looked at kind of the theme verse of our study this week, and you know it, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. That's why we don't want to be unequally yoked, because we are a holy people under a new covenant. Why live the old way when we can live in freedom for the new? And so I, I had the opportunity of uh, writing a song recently called Time for Singing. And it's really about this. It's really about the Lord making things new. And it's a song of those promises. All right, team, what do you guys think? Yeah? All right. Um, one, two, one, and two, and... Pilgrim tired on your journey Can you take one more step Take one more step As your days so will your strength
Thank you for listening to the Mark Podcast. We'll be releasing all eight teaching sessions of All Things New Bible Study right here on the podcast for the next eight weeks. As a reminder, we will leave the audio up until April 30th. Be sure to get a Bible study book, schedule some Zoom calls with your Bible study pals, and listen in. You can find all of Kelly Mentor's LifeWay Bible Studies by going to LifeWay.com slash Kelly Mentor. If you're loving this Bible study content like we are, let us know. Tag us at LifeWay Women or use the hashtag Marked Podcast on all your social media. Let us know what you're learning. If you like getting Bible study content this way, or if you have ideas for future episodes. We are so grateful you're listening and we want to know how to serve you well. Goodbye.